Thursday Such a crazy, lazy day Thursday has its own peculiar way Of saying hey Sometimes Thursday almost Makes you want to run away Thursday such a crazy, lazy Well, you made it to Thursday. For that, you are to be highly congratulated. And I welcome you. Welcome you to uh, the best old-time radio podcast. Hi, this is Bob Bro, and we're glad to have you along on this Thursday, August the 13th, 2020. Thursdays mean a Western, and we've got a really great Western lined up for you today. And I'm going to tell you about it in a minute. But first, why don't you get rid of the troubles and the... The, the pressures of the day, give yourself a chance to relax, sit down, get your feet up, get yourself something cold to drink, because we're going to be back with you with an episode of Gunsmoke in just a minute. Thursday has got its own peculiar way of staying Sometimes Thursday makes you want to run away. Thursday. Such a crazy lizard. indicates it is once again time for gun smoke everybody so let's go back to 1874 walk through the dust of dodge city kansas on front street as we see what's happening with matt and chester and doc and kitty and all the gang have a good episode tonight this is uh, once again a tragedy and it bears the question what is in a name So here we go. This one was originally broadcast on December the 5th in 1953. It's written by John Meston, and it's simply titled, Lamb. Around Dodge City, 
And in the territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Gunsmoke, the story of the violence that moved west with young America. The story of a man who moved with it. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Got mail, Mr. Dillon. Oh. Uh, it looks like official stuff, Chester. Yes, it is. All for you. Every bit of it. <laughs> Were you expecting a letter? Oh, no, sir. If I ever got a letter, it'd just mean trouble of some kind. Well, that's what my mail usually means. Yeah, not this time, though. No new wanted notices? Yeah, not a one. Looks like all the bad men have had a change of heart. Mm, sure does. There hasn't been a reward posted for anybody in over a month. Well, not that we know of, anyway. Mm. Uh, Mr. Dillon? Hmm? I think I'll go see if there's any beer left over at the Alphaganza. You join me? <laughs> no, thanks, Chester. Okay, sir. I'll see you later. Yeah, sure. Hey, mister. Well, hello. Tell me, is it all right to tie my horse here? Of course it is. Well, sometimes they don't like strangers being too bold. Well, there's mostly strangers in Dodge. It's a pretty big town. Heard a lot about Dodge. Good or bad? Bad, mostly. No offense to you, mister. Well, I don't own Dodge. <laughs> I'll, uh, buy you a beer. Well, I, I was just going into the Alphaganza here. You know, a fella feels funny when he don't know nobody in the place. Oh, I've been that way many a time. Uh, where are you from, anyway? Colorado Territory. A lot of country out there. Sure is. Bartender? Wait a minute. Sure. Chester? Hello, Sam. Now, what'll it be, stranger? We'd like two beers, please. You must be buying. Yeah, I am. Why? Well, you don't look like you got any more than the price of two beers on you. Oh, don't mind Sam, mister. He gets spells like this. That's all right. It's all right, he says. And if it wasn't all right... Oh, leave him alone, Well, Sam, I hate these gracious. saddle bums that ride a hundred miles to a fine saloon and then order a glass of beer. One thing I'll say for the Texans, they may cause a little trouble now and then, but they drink right. Well, I don't take whiskey myself, but I'll buy you one, mister. Oh, beer's good enough for me. Sam, you stay up two late nights. It sours you. It'd sour anybody. Waiting on a lot of riffraff. Hey, Sam. 
Sam, you better take it easy how you call this fella. I had, huh? You sure had. You know who this is? What do I care who he is? You're a Lou Medellin, ain't you, mister? Lou Medellin? Why, sure it is. I seen him three months ago over at Colorado, at La Hunter. He was right across the street, and he just shot two men. Fastest thing ever happened. I'd sure hate to dangle with him. You really Lou Medellin, mister? I seen you right at the start, Medellin. That day at La Hunter. You sure built yourself a reputation since then. Oh, yeah, I've heard talk about you. <laughs> you don't look like a gunman, though, nor act like one neither. Well, they always said he was real soft-talking and polite-like. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm proud to know you, Medellin. Uh, my name is Casey. How do you do, Mr. Casey? <laughs> Mr. Casey. Imagine Lou Medellin calling me Mr. Casey. Say, I, I sure would like to buy you a drink. No, wait a minute, Casey. I sort of owe this man an apology. The drinks will be on the house, okay? Well, that's kind of you, bartender. Sure, sure. I just want you to feel welcome here, anytime. Uh, Mr. Medell, uh, how come you're wearing your gun in the holster now? I always heard you carried it loose in your belt. I can handle it both ways. Yeah. Maybe you thought people wouldn't recognize you so fast wearing it different. It, it kind of marks a man right off carrying his gun in his belt. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it does. Say, I, 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 I'm sure proud to know you. I never got real acquainted with a, a man of your breed before. My pleasure. My, you sure are polite, Mr. Medellin. No need to be otherwise, I figure. Well, one thing, you make a lot of friends mighty fast. But then I guess that's easy for a man like you. <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes it is. Well, let's uh, move over to the table, gentlemen. We'll have our beer there. Uh, Sam! Sam, Mr. Medellin wants the drinks brought to a table. You bet. Be right there. <laughs> Mr. Dillon? Mr. Dillon? Yeah, what is it, Chester? Say, I've been looking all over for you. Oh, uh, trouble? No, sir, but there sure could be. Did you ever hear of Lou Medellin? Is he in town? Yes, sir. He was right in the Alapaganda there about an hour ago. I had a beer with him. Well, what's he doing in Dodge? You find that out? Well, he didn't say, Mr. Dillon, but he is about the nicest, politest fellow you ever met. All I've heard about him is he started killing people a few months ago out in Colorado Territory. Yes, sir. He's a gunman, all right. Casey saw him in a fight in La Hunter. He's with him right now. Casey's a fool, Chester. Don't you be. No, sir. It's just that I never met nobody like him. Oh, he's so quiet and easygoing. Sure. I think I'll have a talk with him, Chester. Come on. Say, you think he's here looking for trouble, Mr. Dillon? Man like that's always looking for trouble. Well, yes, sir, I guess that's true, all right. That's him. Sitting right over there with Casey. I've got three more days here in town. And before I quit La Hunt, I said to him, I want to know sure that... You... Hello there, Marshal. I guess Chester told you who this is, huh? This here's Lou Medellin, Marshal. Hello, Medellin. 
Greatest gunman in Colorado Territory since Clay Allison went to New Mexico. Yeah. I've heard a little about you, Madellan. Pretty new at this game, aren't you? Yes, sir. Pretty new. Casey didn't mention it, but my name's Dillon. I'm a U.S. Marshal. I represent the law in Dodge. Glad to know you, Marshal Dillon. Are you planning to stay here long? Well, I don't make plans much, Marshal. I thought maybe you were here for some reason. Oh, no. No reason. None I can think of, anyway. I see. I'd hate to be in your shoes if you tried to run Lou Medellin out of Dodge, Marshal. I told Chester that you're a fool, Casey. Now I'm telling you. Medellin's a friend of mine. You better talk easy to me. Shut up, Casey. Medellin, this is just what I came to tell you. Trouble breeds around a man like you. Somehow it can't be helped. And I'm hired to keep trouble out of Dodge. Don't worry about me, Marshal. I'm not worried about you. No, sir. Ain't nobody going to take Lou Medellin. Yes, there is. No matter how good he is, somebody will kill him one day. It always happens sooner or later. You may be, Marshal? Maybe. If he starts any trouble. There's nothing to worry about, Marshal. Don't you tell him a man like you ain't afraid of him, Medellin? Tell him. I think he knows that. Don't you, Marshal? I'm an old hand at this game, Madellan. You're new. But if you live long enough, you'll find out that being afraid isn't what counts. No? Well, what does? Worrying about it. The way you're worrying right now. I have a feeling you've been playing lucky so far, Madellan. But don't count on it lasting. I know what I'm doing, Marshal. What are you doing in Dodge, Madellan? I wanted to see the town. Isn't that all right? Yeah, that's all right. But the first sign of trouble and you're through here. Sure, Marshal. Sure. I'd seen a lot of gunmen and killers in my time. And some of them were mighty peculiar people. But the strangest I'd ever run across was Blue Madellan. It wasn't his quiet, polite manner that bothered me but the feeling I got that he wasn't very sure of himself or of what he was doing. I didn't see him again that day or the next until a long toward evening. I was sitting in Doc's office when Chester came up and told me he'd heard Ab Fisher was in town. I'd known Fisher some years back and I had heard a lot about him since. So I set out at once to find him. Having one gunman around was bad enough. But having two meant certain trouble. You going to look in the Texas Trail, Mr. Dillon? I might as well try it first. It's closer. Yes, sir. Oh, why does everything have to happen at once? Uh, nothing's happened yet, Chester. See him? No. Yeah, but there's Luma Dullin over there. Well, he's sitting with Miss Kitty, Mr. Dillon. Yeah. Uh, stay here, Chester, and keep your eyes open, huh? All right, sir. Kitty, I'll tell you what I'll... Oh, hello, Marshal. Hello, Kitty. Madellan. Pull up a chair, Marshal. Oh, thank you. You look worried about something, Matt. 
Maybe it's because I'm sitting with his girl. You're sitting with me because you got the price of a drink, mister. That's not very nice of you, Kitty. Never mind, Madeline. Tell me, do you know Ab Fisher? Ab Fisher? No, I don't, Marshal. Ever heard of him? Never even heard of him. Good. So long. Goodbye, Kitty. He's sure worried about something. I know he is. Ah, don't pay any attention to him, Kitty. Have another drink? Where'd you get all the money? You didn't have much last night. Casey over there lent me some. Till mine gets here. I've heard that story before, too. (laughs) (laughs) Who's this? Never saw him before. So you're Lou Madellan. Who are you? Ab Fisher. Oh, I'm beginning to understand this. You gentlemen will excuse me. What do you want, Fisher? Told me you were in town. Thought I'd like to meet you. Oh. Well, I'm glad to know you. I heard about you in Denver. Oh, sure, sure. They say you're pretty fast. Yeah, I guess I am. Madeline, it makes me uncomfortable to be around a man who thinks he's better than I am. Don't feel that way. Here, I'll buy you a drink. Put your money on the table. All right. There it is. There's mine. I... I don't understand. One of us gets four drinks. The one that lives. What? Drama, Dylan. Go on, draw. No, wait, listen, and I will. You, you killed him. You killed Lou Madellan. He ain't dead yet. But he didn't even draw. He never even tried. He had his chance. If he lives, I'll give him another one. Anytime. Right now, I'm going to have me four quick drinks. Hold it, Ab. Matt Dillon. Well, so it is. Don't try anything. Why should I, Matt? You're under arrest, Ab. What for? For killing Luma Dillon. They say you drew first. He was kind of pokey about it. I had to. But you can't arrest me, Matt. It's murder, Ab. Guess you haven't heard. Luma Dillon's got a price on his head. He's wanted in Denver for shooting a few citizens while he was robbing a bank. Dead or alive, Matt. I'll get a thousand dollars for this. Is that true? Yeah, it's true. You're no good anymore, Ab, but at least you never tried to lie your way out of anything I know of. If it wasn't true, Matt, I'd have tried to shoot you. I'll telegraph about it. But meanwhile, you'll have to sleep in jail. Sure, Matt. Save me the price of a room. Oh, Casey, don't stand there. Get Madellan over to Doc's. Here it is, 
Mr. Dillon. They finally answered your telegraph, and Ab Fisher's right. $1,000 for Luma Dillon, dead or alive, and it's signed by the sheriff up in Denver. Will I tell Fisher about it? Uh, no, let him wait a while. He isn't worried anyway. I'm going to go up to Doc's and see if Madellan's still alive. Yes, sir. How is he, Doc? Oh. Oh, well, he's alive, Matt, but not for long. Can he talk? Oh, he can talk all right, but when he goes, he'll go fast. There's nothing more I can do for him. Where have you got him in the back room? I thought he'd be quieter there. Come in with me, Doc. Sure, Matt. Sure. Marshal Dillon's here, Madellan. Hello, Marshal. How you feeling, Madellan? Poorly. I ain't gonna make it, Marshal. That fella shot me up bad. Yeah. Uh, Madellan, I want to ask you something about last night. Oh. Then you found out. No, I haven't found out, but maybe you'll tell me. Why didn't you draw on Ab Fisher? I was too scared, like you said. I tried to tell him about everything, but he shot me before I could talk. And that doesn't make sense. How could you have killed all the men they say you have acting the way you do? Marshal, I never killed a man in my life. What? No, sir. I'm just a poor cowboy. I got fired my last job, and I thought maybe I'd find something to do around here. What are you talking about? It's the truth. I ran into them fellas at the bar. They thought I was a big gunman. And they gave me a lot of respect, Marshal. I never had no respect before. From nobody. Well, uh, what is your name? Coots. Dubby Coots. Uh, Dubby Coots. Well, I thought something was wrong. Yes, I, I look like that, Lou Medellin, don't I? Are you fooled Casey anyway? <laughs> but I sure couldn't act like them. I'm in bad shape, Marshal. I'm sorry, Coops. It's all right. First time in my life I got any respect. But I first... <laughs> He's dead, Matt. W. Coops, huh? Yes, it's, uh, it's kind of sad, Matt. Yeah. It's going to be kind of sad for Ab Fisher, too. Now I got to go tell him that he killed an innocent man. And he'll probably hang for it. He's going to be mighty disappointed. 
Smoke, under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by John Meston, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in the cast were Vic Perrin, Lawrence Dobkin, Harry Bartell, and Herb Ellis. Harley Bear is Chester, Howard McNear is Doc, and Georgia Ellis is Kitty. Ken Peters speaking. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. And there you have it. That was Gunsmoke as originally broadcast on the 5th of December in 1953. The name of that one was Lamb. And uh, Vic Perrin often played that kind of pathetic character tragic character. Uh, he did that in a number of episodes of Gunsmoke and in other shows I've heard him in. You know, I, this brings up the question, and I've posed this on the air a number of times. Back then, could a um, a person that was tracking down a, pers- a, a, a criminal wanted, dead or alive, shoot them and kill them? I mean, isn't that like... Uh, Sentencing a person to death without due process. And so this time I thought, I'm going to look this up. And so I did. So I am going to take you to a website entitled Today I Found Out Feed Your Brain. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great name for a website. And I'm going to assume that these people know what they're talking about. They seem to have done some research. And uh, they're answering a question from a reader. It says, were wanted dead or alive bounties a real thing? In other words, if you found someone that's wanted dead or alive, could you legally shoot them and kill them and collect a bounty and not be charged for murder? And then their answer is, and let me read this. It says, a classic Hollywood trope is the idea of a poster with the photo of a given criminal along with very large print that would say something like, wanted, dead, or alive. But did these actually ever exist, and could you actually kill someone legally when such a poster was issued by the authorities? To answer the first question, it's yes. There were many known instances of such dead or alive posters being put up by the state and other entities. But that doesn't really tell the whole story. Just because a poster stated something like, dead or alive, it didn't grant any individual the right to kill the person without legal consequence. For example, consider the infamous murder of Jesse James at the hands of his outlaw buddies Charlie and Robert Ford. Missouri Governor uh, Thomas Crittenden negotiated with various rail companies to offer a $5,000 reward each for the capture of Jesse or his brother Frank. The subsequent posters noted wanted, dead or alive, Frank or Jesse James. Ultimately, the Ford brothers arranged with the governor in secret 
to bring their buddy Jesse in. With the deal struck on the morning of April 3, 1882, the brothers had breakfast with James. After eating, the trio walked into the living room. When James turned his back on the brothers, reportedly to clean a dusty photo, Robert Ford shot him in the back of the head. Unfortunately for Charlie and Robert, when they went to collect the reward, they instead found themselves promptly arrested for murder, and soon after were sentenced to hang. You see, James was unarmed at the time of his death, and just as importantly, was not in any way resisting arrest or attempting to flee. He seemingly didn't even know the Ford brothers were there to arrest him that day. To get away with killing such a person you were attempting to collect a bounty on, the person needed to be resisting in some way, particularly in a way that threatened your own life. Thus, you could only kill them if it was self-defense, which wouldn't have been any different than if someone attacked you outside of a bounty scenario. But there is one caveat. For quite some time in U.S. history, it was legal to use deadly force against a fleeing felon, even if your own life wasn't immediately threatened. The logic behind this was seemingly that chasing down a fleeing person could be dangerous in unforeseen ways. It also incentivized criminals to not try to flee once they are discovered. Granted, if no one was around to witness, who's to say that the dangerous criminal you killed didn't actively threaten your life in an imminent way to cause you to defend yourself? And given that bringing such a criminal in across long distances used to be an extremely dangerous affair in many cases, anecdotally, it seemed like it wasn't uncommon to simply rid the world of the alleged criminal first and then lie about what happened after. A body is so much safer to transport, and people were quick to believe a dangerous criminal would fight tooth and nail to escape because, after all, in many cases, they probably knew that if they were brought in, it was likely going to be that they were hanged. They really had nothing to lose. So there you go. So that apparently is the answer. You couldn't just cold-bloodedly kill someone, but then maybe you could, and lie about it later. Well, that's going to do it for today. And more than that, that's going to do it for this week. But don't worry, we will be back uh, on the weekend with an archive show and back next Monday with a, a comedy, back on Tuesday with a drama, Wednesday we'll have a mystery, and Thursday another Western. So we're so glad that uh, you spent a little time with us this week. We hope you have a great weekend. And going out tonight, we're going to listen to a little Kingston Trio. This is Bob Bro. I'm so glad you stopped by, and I am so glad you met me. Frank and Jesse James were a product of their environment. They were sent out into the woods by their parents to forage for berries, truffles, rutabagas, roots of all sorts. Put yourself in there. You'd have been mean, too. When Jesse James was a lad, he killed many a man. He robbed the Glendale train. And the people laid it safe for many miles away. It was robbed by Frank and Jesse James. Poor Jesse had a wife to mourn for his life. Three children, they were brave. But that dirty little coward On a Saturday night, if I remember right when they robbed that Glendale train.
you want it, monsieur? It was one of the younger boys who gathered in the spoils and a carrot just as money is away. Poor Jesse had a wife to mourn for his life. Three children, they were gray. But that dirty little coward who shot Mr. Howard has laid poor Jesse in his grave. He was standing on a chair just a dusting pictures there. He thought he heard a noise <laughs> When he turned his head around Why, that bullet smacked him down And it laid poor Jesse on the floor Poor Jesse had a wife To mourn for his life We children, they were brave But that dirty little coward Who shot Mr. Howard Has laid poor Jesse in his grave Jesse robbed from the poor and he gave to the rich He never did a friendly thing And when his best friend died He was right there by her side And he left it all for golden wedding ring Poor Jesse had a wife to mourn for his life Three children, they were brave But that dirty little coward The shot Mr. Howard Has laid poor Jesse in his grave 